Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everyone. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church, and with me today, as always, is my friend and the lead pastor at Generations Church, Pastor Jeff Luddington. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing well this morning. I am I'm actually good, man, up and raring to go. Nice, nice. Yeah, this is throwing me off a little bit. This is a uh, 44, day 44B. We've actually taken a day and yeah. just decided we can, we can cut it in half. You know, Julius Caesar added two months to the calendar. If he can do that, I can I can do a 44B, right? I feel like I have that level of authority to to split an episode in half. I maybe I'm power tripping. I don't know, man. But uh, I feel like feel like that's acceptable. Hey, if you're listening right now, um, we're probably as crazy as you think we are. But uh, we're doing a podcast series on the Heidelberg Catechism. And if you are unfamiliar, it's your first time. Let me just say this. The Heidelberg Catechism is a 450-year-old way of training Christians, and the method used is memorizing questions and answers. And so kind of like we do uh, multiplication tables, times tables in math when we're kids, we just memorize what is true so that when we need it, we can grab it quickly. And so that's what's been going on, and we're in a unique place. Uh, as Rob said, kind of jokingly in the beginning, we're we're doing an episode 44B, and so uh, the catechism is broken up into 52 weeks called Lord's Days. In other words, 52 Sundays. This is what you might do on a Sunday evening at home with your family. Um, and so we're doing 52 episodes. Clearly, uh, there's going to be more than that now because I've added a B. But um, so uh, we, we did that because we just finished the Ten Commandments last week. So one uh, commandment per episode, I think it was. And this final one, as we talked about the 10th commandment, talking about coveting, uh, there were two more questions built into that day that really talk about obedience and why are the 10 commandments necessary. And so we wanted to give a full episode to coveting. Uh, we thought that was important. And then we wanted to talk about obedience. And so the catechism, if you're new, is broken into three sections, which is where we have our podcast title, Guilt, Our Need, uh, Our Sin, and Our Need for a Savior, Grace, How God Has Come and Rescued Us from Our Sin and from Our Need, and then Gratitude. So guilt, grace, and gratitude. Gratitude is the section where in the catechism where we learn how to live out our faith. And that's where the Ten Commandments are there. And so the Ten Commandments exist for us to have some simple guidelines, like how we're, you know, what does God want from us, desire from us? And it, it does a couple things, and we'll talk about that today. But that's the part of the catechism that we're in. And so I'm going to ask the question like a father would to a son or a discipler to a disciple. And then Rob is going to read the answer to us, and we're going to talk about obedience today. So, Rob, you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right, man. Question and answer 114 and 115. Uh, first one is, but can those converted to God obey these commandments perfectly? No. In this life, even the holiest have only a small beginning of this obedience. Nevertheless, with all seriousness of purpose, they do begin to live according to all, not only some, of God's commandments. Hmm. 
All right, next, the, the other question is, since no one in this life can obey the Ten Commandments perfectly, why does God want them preached so pointedly? First, so that the longer we live, the more we, we may come to know our sinfulness and the more eagerly look to Christ for forgiveness of sins and righteousness. Second, so that we may never stop striving and never stop praying to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit to be renewed more and more after God's image until after this life we reach our goal, perfection. That's good, man. That's really good. Uh, today, that's the part we want to talk about is obedience. Um, and just obedience is about, and, I, and again, I want, to, I want to tie this to the catechism, guilt, grace, and gratitude. So our guilt is um, in simple terms. When we talk about the Ten Commandments. When we violate the Ten Commandments, and if you go back and listen to the last 10 episodes, you know, just because it says do not murder does not mean we're not guilty of breaking that commandment in our heart, right? That we have not, you know, hated or done this or done that. And so uh, when we take an honest assessment of what God is saying in the Ten Commandments, imagine the Ten Commandments to be the short form of like, hey, here's 10 quick things you can remember about what a life devoted to God looks like. And the first four are about loving God only and loving him rightly. And then the next six are about how we engage with other humans. And so think of the love God, love your neighbor kind of idea. And so we've all broken all that. And so the first section of the catechism is guilt. We're all guilty and we're all separated from God by sin, right? And then the second section is grace. And, and so there's a, a proclamation of our need but then there's a, a, a declaration of God's love and God's overcoming our sin. And the gospel is, is very simple in, that, in, in, that, in the essence of what it is. Now, its implication goes on and on and on and on and is unending. But that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? The, those famous words from John 3, that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life, right? That, that God gave his son for us. So that's grace, so there's our guilt, our need. There's God's grace found in Christ alone. And then there's our response, right? If whoever believes in him shall live forever, right? And so it's that living forever begins today. And so we're talking about how do we live in response to God's love and, and Christ's sacrifice for us. And because of his resurrection and giving us his spirit, how do we respond? So Rob, how, when you hear all this, like, how do we respond now in gratitude to Jesus? Well, I think, first of all, um, you did a great job pointing that out. I think if you read, especially question 114, um, can those converted by God obey these commandments perfectly? When you read that, a lot of times it's, you feel like that's the guilt section. Mm. Right. If you didn't know where it was located, um, this is about not being saved. This is about being able to perfectly obey God and follow his commands after we're saved. A lot of us think like we should have now some supernatural ability to be able to do this perfectly. Um, it brings to mind to me Romans 320, uh, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin, we become conscious of our sin as right. we look at this law. And I, I think it stands in stark contrast to a lot of us um, as we're raised, whether it's parents who do this without thinking about it, or, or if you're an athlete, coaches mm -hmm. who just kind of give you this, this mentality that you can do all things, not through Christ. You can do all things just through trying right. harder. You can do all things um, through the effort or the attitude that you have. 
And we kind of feel like, man, I can accomplish this. I love the fact when I teach at a, that I teach at a Christian school and even in my math classes, I can bring this up. And I, I used to use the example of my students um, that I could write a really difficult final exam. And I could even tell the kids, hey, there's nobody in this class going to get 100 on this, right? It's, there's questions on here I know you don't know. But after I wrote it, I took the exam myself and I got 100%. And if you'd like, you can just use my, my grade instead of yours. Hmm. And yeah, there's a good number of kids. Probably most of them would say, yeah, let me do that. But there's always going to be those who say, no, no, no. Challenge accepted. I can get to 100%. And they're yeah. going to they're gonna take it anyway, knowing yeah. that they, you know, in the back of their mind thinking, man, I can do this. I think it's that, you know, we get a little bit cocky about this and say, okay, now Jesus saved me. Now it's up to me to, to do it right. Well, let me ask a couple questions. And so if you're, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, um, know that we have a direction that we're headed uh, but then half the time uh, we add, to, you know, it, we go off, and it's not that we go off script, but we don't, we don't have a script. We have a direction. We have some verses we want to talk about. But using your example, so this is one of those moments. So if this goes terribly wrong, uh, blame me, <laughs> not Rob. But um, even if it's really Rob's fault. But uh, so Rob, when you create this test from your math class, as an example, and you say there's no way you'll get a hundred. Now, can I assume, like, even if you used material you covered the whole year that you could build a test they couldn't pass yes. even just within the material you covered right yep yeah i can well, put some things in there in there that are going to be really tough for them to get every single question right right and so then if we did pass fail like you either get a hundred or you get a zero like you either pass everything or you get nothing and i've given you everything in our semester or in our class or in this that's kind of like salvation, right? I mean, so God has said, here's the deal. I've given you everything up front, but you've all failed it, right? And this isn't a, you get 99%, you get an A, you're solid, or you get 70%, you're a, you're a solid C, but you pass, right? You, you know, it's not that. It's 100% or nothing. With God, we are either 100% holy, which we're not, or we're sinful. And when we're sinful, it's a failure. In that failure, like you said, this and that was a really astute observation, we're not in the guilt section. We're in the gratitude section. So this is knowing we're already guilty, knowing that we're saved through the grace of, of God through Christ, right? So then in this, it's how do we respond, right? How do we respond to knowing we've already failed, but God has made us pass, right? We've already been sinful, but God has redeemed us in Christ. So now how do we live, right? And the can we do this perfectly? No, we're still not 100%. We're still not there. But in Christ, like you, the teacher who can pass the test, because you wrote the test, right? Christ has given us his righteousness, right? We, we trade in, Paul says in Corinthians, we trade in our, our righteousness, our filthy rags, our attempts at being perfect. We trade that in. We just surrender that. And what we get is Christ's perfect righteousness, so in that, I, I, when I think of all this, when I think of, hey, you can't pass this, uh, you can't get 100%. Like, even if I've given you everything, you can't do it. And I think, well, okay, should that be discouraging or is there more to the story? Um, I always think of Paul uh, in Romans 7. And if you're unfamiliar with who Paul is in the New Testament, he is a guy who came from being the most religious guy apart from Christ. He was the rule keeper. He was that kind of guy. Um, then he came to faith and he became clearly aware of his sin, 
which made him incredibly grateful for God's love through Christ. And so in that, that didn't mean he stopped becoming or he stopped being a guy who, you know, tried to stay to the rules. And but he was just more aware of his heart and the sin in his heart. And so um, Paul, it's one of those like Peter kind of screws everything up. And you're like, I can relate with Peter. Paul, Paul's the guy who really does everything right, for the most part, from the outside, right? And these are Paul's words, and they're always encouraging to me. In Romans 7, verses 15 through 20, it says, uh, Paul writes, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So Paul, the very good rule keeper guy, right? The guy who really on the outside has it all together. He looks like the ultimate Christian. He says, man... Why do I always end up doing things I don't want to do? Like, I, I know better. I know that this is sin. Like, why do I end up doing it? He says, now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good, right? He says, the Ten Commandments are good. The law is good. It's there. Even when I'm failing it, it's good, he says. It's not a bad thing. It's good. He says, and he goes on, he says, so it is now, so now it is no longer I who do it but sin that dwells within me. So in other words, when I fall short, it's not the, it's not that I'm evil. It's not that the law is bad and unkeepable. It's that I still have sin in me, right? That I still have flaws inside of me. He says this, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And he, it's a little wordy. It kind of goes back and forth. But what he's ultimately saying is now, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, now that I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, now that I have been awakened to faith, I realize I don't actually keep the rules as good as I thought I did. I want to. I really want to follow Jesus. I want to do everything right. But I find myself falling short. And that's not because God has made it too hard, the rules are too steep, but because I have flaws inside me and sin in my flesh, there's flaws. And so I fall short, but that's okay. God keeps calling me forward. God keeps giving me grace. Yeah, I think um, looking at, at Paul, I, it also brings up to me this uh, verse that he wrote in, in 1 Timothy 1.15, uh, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And, and I yeah. think we look at Paul and we say, man, this guy's, this guy's got it. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, he even tells people, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. And yet he sees himself in that light. And I think at times I think, man, that's encouraging because when I struggle, I know that, that even someone who's considered um, holy and set apart and someone who, who strove to follow God like he did, struggles, but I also see it sometimes as discouraging that, man, he's done it for so long and he still can't get it right. And I think, you know, most of us, if you were raised playing music, if you were raised, um, you know, really getting into your education, if you were raised playing sports, you figure the longer I do this, the better I'm going to get. And yeah. yet there's that reality that the, the, the closer I get in my relationship to Christ, the more I'm in the light of Christ, the more I understand my own sinfulness. And that could that could easily lead us to despair if we didn't know the depth of the mercy of Christ. Um, the more yeah. I realize my sin, the more I understand his mercy. And, and the more I, I just fall in love with the fact that he knows me and he knew all this about me before I did. And he still loves me. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think taking the athlete, uh, or academic or musician examples, probably really still really good. Um, no matter how much you train, right? You're still not perfect. You're still going to miss the shot. You're still going to, you know, there's human error, right? Uh, there's, there's just so much that goes into a football play, a basketball play, you know, a golf swing, a, a whatever, you know, even, you know, playing music or, you know, academia, you're, I mean, you're a math guy. And so, you know, there's so much there. It's so easy in some long equation that is super complex. And we're talking about comparing, you know, a metaphor for life. You know, life is not one plus one. Life is this like, you know, a beautiful mind, that movie. It's like one long, massive equation where it's just crazy. And there's so much there's so much room for flaw. There's so much room for failure when we're involved, right? That there's so many, you know, I forgot to carry the one over here in this long, massive, you know, landscape of a equation or man, you know, as I went for this golf swing, I just pulled a little too hard or I didn't calculate for this. And just here it is, right? So no matter how good you get, no, I'm not tiger. You know, no, I'm not tiger on the golf course. Right. Uh, but, uh, I can still play golf and enjoy it. Right. I can still have fun. But even Tiger, when he goes out and plays, right, there's going to be a bad shot. There's going to be a missed putt. And that's what Paul says, man. The saying is trustworthy. You just read this. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Right. That was the verse you just read. Jesus came to rescue sinful people, not perfect people. Like he didn't just come to call all the good guys. He's like, hey, there are no good guys. I'm going to call all the bad guys and I'm going to make them better. Paul's awareness, even though on the outside, Paul looks like he is the most epic, obedient Christian ever, right? Second, maybe only to Jesus. He looks like the guy, right? He says, man, of sinners of whom I'm the foremost, like he knows his heart. He's just more honest. And he knows that his security is in Christ. And so I just want to, before Rob buttons us up and tells us, you know, how you can subscribe or share or whatever, but I want to say this, if you're listening and you just find this as you, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. If you're a Christian, you find, man, this is, I, you know, I resonate with that struggle. Just know Christ is there with you, right? That forgiveness is there. It's, this isn't cheap grace. This isn't because you become a believer, you can go out and sin and do anything you want. I mean, like James says this, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. James goes on and says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Like he says, I will live out my faith. So this isn't some excuse to take what Jesus has done lightly and cheaply. Uh, Bonhoeffer calls that cheap grace, right? That we would think, hey, it didn't cost me anything, so we treat it that way, but rather we recognize it cost Christ everything and we live that way. But if you are a if you're not a Christian and you you hear this and, and you want to experience that grace, you want to experience that love and welcome and acceptance of Christ, man, I, I would say this, uh, man. Uh, this is for you. Salvation is for you. Christianity is for you. Uh, reach out to us through the podcast. You can you can uh, you can catch us at info at generations email, and you always reach out, man. I would love to talk to you about salvation, and I know uh, I know so would Rob. But please hear this, and don't hear this as despair. Hear this as encouragement. We're never going to be perfect, just like we're never going to be the perfect golfer or mathematician or you know guitar player. Um, but in that, what we find uh, is grace more and more abundantly. Right. Yeah. And, and 
um, a good place to end. I think um, if Paul is able to admit his struggles, uh, we in the church have got to be able to admit our struggles. We don't want That's people good, walking in the doors thinking we have it all together because we're saved. It's once That's we're good. saved, we realize even more how much we need a savior and how hard it is to perfectly obey. And so I would encourage people, um, encourage, you know, churches, pastors got to speak about this and talk about yeah. sinfulness. Otherwise people think that, you know, man, I'm the only one struggling. Um, but don't leave people in that state of walking out the door completely in despair because they can't follow perfectly, but there is grace, there is mercy, and uh, that needs to be preached, law and gospel um, together. So mm, we'd love to have great, you man. come out and join us. Yeah, thanks. I'd <laughs> love to have you come out and join us if you're close by. Um, if you're not, man, find a church. Find a church where, where they admit they're broken and they're working together on it. And uh, rely on the on the uh, grace of God, right? For those who have been forgiven more, um, they love more. Love more. That's, that's great to know. We want to thank you again for listening to the Generations Church podcast. Uh, as always, every Tuesday, we come out with a new guilt, grace, and gratitude episode. And we'd love for you to share us with your friends, um, post us on social media, give us a like, subscribe. Um, join us again. We'll see you next week. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.